Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You don't want to wait till you're in a health crisis Mm. or that you're emotionally so burnt out that you suddenly have the aha moment, wow, I have not been good at taking care of myself. And that's a problem that a lot of people have. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 246. Today, we're talking about how to recenter and replenish with Aura Nadrich. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Membership, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome, my friend. How are you hanging in there with all the craziness that is happening in the world? (sighs) Holy moly. If you are listening to this real time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh my goodness, 2020, 2020. If you're in the future, you've probably read about and heard about 2020 plenty because this is the year everything went bananas. But we're in it now. I'm in it now. And dear listener, if you're in it now, I just want to acknowledge that this is crazy. There's so much going on and it can be really hard to ground ourselves to stay present that's what mindfulness is all about right is like giving us the ability to kind of surf the waves of life and stay present despite all the things that life brings us but man is life bringing us a lot holy moly huh so (laughs) it seems like even more important than ever that i'm bringing you this particular episode of course i'm going to be talking to aura nadrich and she's the founder and president of the institute for transformational thinking she's the author of live true a mindful guide to authenticity and says who how one simple question can change the way you think forever she's a certified life coach thought coach and mindfulness teacher specializing in transformational thinking self-discovery and mentoring new coaches as they develop their careers. But this is an important conversation for us today because the waves of life are happening quite a bit. And so how do we connect to ourselves authentically while this life is crazy like this, while we're parenting, which is a little crazy making just by itself. And I have to let you know that we recorded this conversation 
well before the uh, craziness that happens to be fall 2020. But we have a powerful conversation about following this journey of self-awareness and grounding ourselves while developing more presence for our children. And it doesn't have to be difficult, but has to be consistent and it has to be steady. And some things I want you to listen for our parenting and the journey of self-awakening can really be done at the same time. How behind every feeling there is a connected thought. We dive much deeper into this. And how I don't have time for that is an excuse. Woo. Mm. So <laughs> I am so happy for you to join me at the table as I talk to Aura. Before I dive in, I have just a few spots left. I open up a very small group coaching program. It's only six people, high level group coaching program. And this is for you if you want the accountability and support that it often really takes to make the changes you want to make, like making your own unstoppable meditation practice, really learning how to nurture yourself fully, really feeling seen and heard like never before, and learning parenting communication skills that will radically improve your relationship, really learning to love and accept yourself deeply and completely, heal, grow, right? If you're saying, yes, 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 Hunter, maybe one of these spots is for you and is for people who want to work with me personally. And I develop a close relationship with each of my group coaching people. Again, it's a very, very small group. I keep it like that on purpose because I really want to get to know you. So it's this high level of working with me and we may still have spots left. You can apply and join at mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. And that's a great place to go. Like if you're curious and you're kind of on the fence and just to see what has happened for other people. I had one client, Ratika, who said that from day one, Hunter's lessons taught me how to be slower, calmer, and more peaceful. And she said that the practices she learned not only helped her in parenting, but affected other areas of her life, her physical health, how she shows up at work, how she felt very alone before. And this group made a huge difference difference in her life. Having other moms who are going through the same thing encourage and support you. And that she really discovered this incredible connection to herself. You know, it's powerful. It can really, really change things, right? It can give you a new perspective. So I invite you to check it out, mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. There might be spots left when you check it out. And if there are, I encourage you to join me. It would be lovely to move this relationship Pass the earbuds and the microphone and connect in real life via Zoom, but in real life, heart to heart. I really do feel an incredible connection with everyone who joins. It's, it's powerful. Enough about that. Let's talk to Aura Nadrich. So join me at the table as I talk to the one and only Aura Nadrich. Aura, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you for having me, Hunter. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm excited to talk to you and I I don't know where to dive in because you have done an extraordinary amount of work and written a number of books and I love your new book. But I guess what I'm curious about is like for somebody who's such a seeker and has been doing this work of mindfulness for so long, what I, what I know to be true is that usually, at least for me and for a lot of people I know, that work usually comes out of some of our own struggle with whatever's happening in our lives. And I wonder if that's the same for you. Like as, you know, as you started to go down this path of seeking and learning, was, was there something you were struggling with that, that kind of led you there? Well, I do think there's an element of nature and nurture, if you will. I mean, I think my nature is such when I think back to myself as a little girl, I really was the child that loved to lay in an open field of grass and look up at the sky and watch the clouds move across the sky. So for anybody that's familiar with mindfulness, that's one of the ways in which you can describe being in the present moment. Do you know? So I think that I already had a proclivity, if you will, to just being very aware Okay, so that was probably just part of my inherent nature. And then fast forward to years later, I experienced a family crisis where one of my older sisters had a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. And it was devastating. It was just traumatic for everyone, you know, and, and really tragic. And traumatic for me being the youngest of four and when that had happened to her, I just went into total 
fight, flight, freeze. It was, it was very shocky. It was very disturbing. And I didn't understand any of it. And so what happened was that as the years continued on, you know, fast forward, because it's, it's a lengthy story. And I talk about it in my first book, Says Who, how one simple question can change the way you think forever, which is a cognitive process for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. When that happened to my sister and I went into that fight, flight, freeze, as I say, I didn't realize that I had buried a thought in my psyche, if you will, that was very fear-based. And so what happened was I say when thoughts go not tended to, if you will, you can experience the side effects or the symptoms of a troubling thought. And it took me on a deep psycho-spiritual journey. I was an actress for 10 years and I started to have deep anxiety and I didn't know why. So it really took me, as I said, on this, this psycho-spiritual journey to find out why I was experiencing, you know, this anxiety that was actually impeding my career. And I went into um, analysis. I went into Jungian analysis. And I also really went onto a search of the workings of the mind. I, I very much wanted to understand the workings of the mind because in relation to my sister, it didn't make sense to me that she could be fine one day and then never the same again. So on my deep journey of understanding myself and taking that inner journey of self-realization, I came upon mindfulness. And the minute I began to learn about mindfulness and read about Buddhism and Taoism and, you know, really understand what it means to be present, I knew that I was really connecting to something that felt very resonant to me. And it was something that I wanted to understand more and more and to integrate it into my work. Became a certified mindfulness meditation uh, teacher. And the basis of my work is, is very mindfulness oriented. It's really the thrust of all the work that I do. I can relate to so much in your story. And I'm really sorry about your sister and, and the, her suffering. It's, it's amazing to think about how these moments of great suffering are these catalysts for these incredible journeys um, of understanding, right? Like we're always like, no, we don't want these things, but they end up becoming these, these, um, these catalysts for, for, for learning, which I really, really appreciate. You know, you said you had a, uh, a fear, buried a fear-based thought in your psyche. Do you remember what exactly that? I'm sure you've probably written about it. So like, what, did, what was that thought? Yes. Do you remember? And that's exactly the thought that was buried in deep in, within the subconscious, if you will, which is like the storage or the basement of thoughts that we bury. And sometimes they're just not made conscious to us until something like, as I say, a symptom of that troubling thought starts to rear its head. And yes, specifically it was that when that happened to her, the thought that came to the foreground of my mind was, oh my God, if that can happen to her, that can happen to me. Mm, So I over-identified with what had happened to her and there really was no understanding for me at the time. I had no reference point, if you will, for really separating myself from what was, to my understanding, with a lot of deep analysis, that that was her path and it Mm -hmm. was separate from my path. And that because that tragedy had happened to her, it didn't mean that it was going to invariably become my destiny. Mm -hmm. So it took me many, many, many years, as I said, on a deep psycho-spiritual journey to connect to that fear-based thought, which I call like the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something that can really plague our minds and our hearts for many, many years, and and we don't know it. It's not made conscious to us. Mm -hmm. So that was a thought that I had, which was, again, a, a, a thought that was born out of fear, deep fear, because of what had happened to her. And once I was able to confront that fear and do the necessary work to work through the shadow complex of it, I was able to be free from it. Yeah, yeah. So you had to face it, had to look at it and all of those things. And you also mentioned Jungian analysis. And I I would just love to like, um, for the listener who may have heard of Jung, may have heard of it, but doesn't know what is this. um, Can you give a like a brief description of of kind of what that process is kind of centered around and, and how it how it worked for you? Yeah, so Carl Jung was a psychoanalyst and his work is 
for me, it was, I felt it was divine providence that I was led to Jungian psychoanalysis because it really goes into the depths of the unconscious. It's, it's very transformational and it's depth psychology, which means it really goes into the depths of our being, into the unknown, into the unconscious, if you will. And I think his work is absolutely extraordinary as far as, you know, and very, for me, very, very resonant to mindfulness because it's, it's really making the unconscious conscious. Mm-hmm. And with mindfulness work, mindfulness is really being aware of ourselves, do you know? And so that means being aware of what's conscious, but also being cognizant of what perhaps needs to be delved into deeper, which is the unconscious. So his work is is very much about that. His work is very, for anybody who's familiar with Carl Jung, I mean, you know, it just covers so many areas of the psyche and you know, again, getting to know who you are into the depths of oneself, which is, again, the unconscious, the shadow aspects of the personality, which are aspects of the personality that maybe are hidden or buried, or we reject aspects of ourselves that we don't particularly like. And also his work in dream interpretation, which as a big dreamer myself, I was always somebody who was a big dreamer, I felt that his work was, you understand, that his work was really perfect for me because I was, I've always been very much into deep uh, dream analysis and amplification and interpretation of the dreams, which is our unconscious and what our conscious is trying to tell us. So I have just the utmost incredible gratitude for the work of Carl Jung and uh, the fact that I was able to go into that is the work that I needed to do to get to know myself better. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. 
That's mysteries about true histories. I love this, the description of your journey. And I, and I appreciate that description of Jungian analysis. I have a friend actually, who's a, a Jungian anal- analyst, and I've always been a little bit curious about, uh, about her work. And, um, now I'm curious about this, like you're, you're doing this work, like you, you were struggling with this anxiety and, you know, doing this work to kind of understand it. I know that you're a parent. There's a messy middle in there, right? Somewhere, right? Like as we start to like kind of go through this work, where, where was having kids for you along the timeline and, and of, of this journey? You know, that's such a good question. And I think that, I don't think anybody's ever really asked me that before. And what comes to mind immediately is I remember when I was on a deep psycho-spiritual journey, I felt so committed to that. I felt that it was a life journey of work, which it is, by the way. But I remember at a time thinking that I didn't want anything to take me away from the journey of uh, self-awareness or self-realization, if you will, or even the journey of awakening. And I wasn't sure at one point, like, well, how are children going to fit into this? Do you know, (laughs) if I'm really committed to the journey of self-awakening or self-awareness, if you will, and just becoming a more conscious human being on the planet, are these going to be mutually exclusive? Like, Mm -hmm. can I be a mom and still continue my journey? And I could, and that was really illuminating for me. I mean, it wasn't that I was in the depths, uh, the deep throes, if you will, of, you know, constantly contemplating you know, on an existential level, the meaning of life and my purpose here. I was also doing all my mommy chores and raising two boys that I think I did a pretty good job and that one can have a whole life, a full life and be able to do something like parenting, and then to take all the work that I had learned on my journey, and hopefully add to that in my parenting, do you know? Absolutely, So it really helped me tremendously to become a much more present mother, if you will. Do you know, I was able to take a lot of the things that I learned on my journey, and bring them into, again, my life as a parent, co-parenting, And now I find since my boys are older that I speak a lot about mindfulness with them and, you know, things like mindfulness meditation without shoving it down their throats because no kid wants that. But that I see that the work that I do is something that they're getting a deeper understanding of, which really just touches my heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, a lot... I personally don't struggle with this, but a lot of people who listen to the Mindful Mama podcast struggle with giving themselves time to sort of like do this work, to to sit in meditation, to... to, to take that, you know, cause it takes some slowing down. It takes some reflection. It takes, uh, and we have these lives where our culture is sort of pushing us to be ever busier and busier and just more and more squeezed. And, um, and I, I think what you're, you're speaking to the, the benefits of that in, in, in a lot of ways that, that there, this, um, this journey of self-awareness and, and, and awakening. And I, and I, I'd like to, interject here for the the listener who doesn't you know that the term awakening like you're talking you know you're talking about awakening from like sort of like the dream right that we're we're kind of in you know where we we're thinking that these sort of the you know some of the things in our culture that tell us are important right and like kind of looking at what's what's really important kind of awakening that that awareness to uh, to just understanding ourselves, right? And that that this work really does feed parenting. It really does that that slowing down doesn't take away from our kids. That it really does feed that whole process in general. Absolutely, definitely. And I think that you know, for you know, whatever stage of parenting you're at, you know, whether you're a new parent of a newborn and you're just embarking on this journey of parenting or you have kids at whatever age they are at, the understanding, you know, especially the understanding of mindfulness and what it brings into learning how to be a more present human being as well as a more present parent is invaluable. Do you know, especially at a time when not only can parents feel very stressed out and, you know, depending on how many kids you're tending to or what's going on in the home, I think having or integrating mindfulness skills is 
so helpful for the parent. You know, in the beginning stages of learning how to regulate your time, you know, let's say as a new new parent to the process and feeling so exhausted or full or so stressed or having thoughts that might come in as a parent, like, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this. Am I doing this the right way? Do you know, there's the beginning stages of mindful awareness of how to be a new parent. Then there's the different stages of parenting where you go into the stages of when children are developing and evolving and how do you then take those mindfulness skills and apply it then. Then you go through the different passages of time and, and stages of, you know, the empty nest. I remember my, writing my first article, you know, really in the area of mindfulness as a, I called it um, the half empty nester because one of my boys was going off to college. And I suddenly found myself so aware of all these emotions that I was feeling. And I, I really didn't know what to do with all these feelings. You know, I've heard about the empty nest, do you know, but suddenly I'm experiencing it for the first time. So I think if you take mindfulness into all these stages and phases of parenting, wow, it is so powerful and so helpful to understand not only yourself better, but to understand yourself in the role of a parent. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. Your family has adapted to a lot of change this year. And with some creative problem solving, you've discovered new ways to tackle life's day to day. And while this Halloween may look a little bit different, the treats don't have to stop at candy. No tricks. With KiwiCo's hands-on science and art projects, your ghoulies won't go batty with boredom. Instead, they'll be inspired by KiwiCo's seriously fun and innovative creative problem solving crates delivered right to your door every month no bones about it. I love these projects and my children love these projects. But today, I don't want to tell you about one my children did. My friend has a younger child. I think her daughter's four. And they have been doing the wonderful, wonderful koala crates. These are so cute. And these are little crates for hands-on learning for two to four-year-olds. And they have the most beautiful projects that kids put together and assemble. They basically can do it completely all by themselves. And I love this one. They have one about a doctor's visit. They assemble and decorate a medical kit complete with thermometer, stethoscope, and plenty of felt bandages. And it is so cute. It teaches them empathy and caring for others. It is wonderful. KiwiCo has crates for every single age. And my 13-year-old has done crates where she's made these higher-end projects like a ukulele and a lockbox. They are so cool. So your child can get these super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door every month. And they'll be so excited to see these arrive in the mail, especially at a time when they might be un able to go to fun places like museums and stuff, here's a really fun activity that comes straight from them. So you'll be surprised at how high quality the materials are too. These are real engineering science and art projects for kids. There's different crates for different ages, like I've said, so there's something for every kid on your list. And there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code HUNTER at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Promo code HUNTER. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And now I... I wonder if like from your experience, from my experience, uh, what I find is that my mindfulness practice that, you know, that I've been, I've been practicing for a, a long time now, you know, 15 years. And, I, and what I find is that it just gives me this space, gives me this space to, to hold it all. I feel broader in a lot of ways where all of those, those you know, life has all of those difficulties, right? All of those emotions you describe as, as the, the empty nest, but that, that space to kind of hold that. And it's sometimes I find myself um, having difficulty kind of like talking about this, right? Because it's not like you're 
the benefits of mindfulness it's it's not like you're um you're you're suddenly like there are sparkles shooting out of your ears and you're you're just like happy all the time you're constantly content right that's not so but for me i guess i would describe it as like having this like space to hold these things and i'm not i guess i'm not fighting with the things that arise and so then they pass away more quickly is that how you would describe it or or maybe you can add to that absolutely yes definitely you know it really helps us really understand all of the things that we're feeling, you know, and that that doesn't mean, you know, when you talk about things like mindfulness or positivity or anything that really connotes, you know, staying positive all the time or staying present, I think it really doesn't cover the fact that we're human. I love my favorite quote. One of them is by the French philosopher Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, you know? So one of the greatest human experiences is birthing children, you know? And we're going to have times where we're going to feel a lot of different things, you know, as I said, feeling stressed or feeling short, uh, our fuse can be short with our children, or we just don't feel that we have that extra reserve. We can feel that we're on empty. So with mindfulness, what that does is it gives us that moment to pause, that moment to take that much needed breath, do you know, so that we can stop and go, who I'm really, really, you know, short tempered in this moment. I'm really feeling that my well is empty. I haven't had a, an opportunity to replenish my own well because I'm giving out so much to my family. Do you know what it does is it gives us this awareness of what we need. We may not be able to take it in that moment, but what we can do is I always say that there's another moment that we could circle back to. You know, your baby can be napping they can be sleeping, you know, where we take these moments that we, these mindful moments that we need for ourselves. What do I need in this moment to replenish, to refuel, to refill the well so that I can go back then and give out again to my family? Do you know? So I think that that's certainly what I think is extremely helpful. One of the ways is to always be aware or try to the best of my ability to be aware of what I'm feeling and what I say about feelings behind every feeling, there's a thought connected mm -hmm. to it. And sometimes we're so taken over by the emotionality of what we're experiencing that we, we don't even know what thought is connected to it. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So something as simple as really feeling very emotional, whether you feel like you're about to burst out crying or you're feeling resentment because maybe you don't feel that your partner's helping you or you're feeling anger you know, or just sadness. You might wake up one day and just, you know, especially as we know with, with parenting, 
with new parents or new mothers, I should say, many of them have experienced postpartum depression, do you know, and they don't know what to do with that. So again, this is where mindfulness, I think, is so valuable that it helps us have an understanding of what we're feeling, experiencing, or thinking in the moment, and how to tend to that, and how to give ourselves the self-care that we need, ultimately. I couldn't agree more. And what I've noticed that comes up for many, um, many people is this, you know, you talk about replenishing and and taking care of our intending to ourselves. Uh, What I know sometimes is a sense of like, I, especially in women, a deep sense of like, am I not worthy of kind of taking this time? Am I not worthy of this replenishment? Um, And this feeling that, you know, I may not, uh, you know, I'm not worthy of this, maybe this daily time that I'm dedicating to a practice or, you know, of diving deeper in different ways, um, you know, investing time and energy into self-awareness and self-awakening feels selfish to them. It feels like they're, they're, that's, that's, you know, their value isn't enough to do that. So when you encounter that, what do you, what, what kind of process do you lead people down to kind of understand those feelings and to work through them? Well, I think it's really important to recognize the need for, for self-care, do you know, first of all, and mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything selfish or me-centric about that. Okay. When we're talking about taking care of ourselves, you know, I, that to me is very important. And I don't think that one needs to apologize for that. You know, I don't think of self-care in the area of being overindulgent. I mean, if you're just taking a bath all day (laughs) or just getting massages, which doesn't sound all that bad, but you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, you know, giving ourselves, tending to ourselves in a way that again, is about the self-nourishment or the self-care or the replenishing, you know, yes, to specifically address what you're asking me as far as this, you know, whether it's feeling one is worthy of even that. The problem with that is that some people feel they don't deserve that. I mean, I remember having conversations with friends of mine, uh, you know, some of them very dynamic women, you know, very high achieving women. And there used to be this running joke amongst me and some of my girlfriends. They were like, oh, or you're so good at that. You're good at like getting a massage and you're good at like, you know, taking walks. I'm thinking, I don't have a corner on this. Like you too (laughs) could be taking care of yourself too. And for some reason they just would feel as though, which is one of the biggest things that most people feel is, well, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And that ends up being an excuse because we can make time, do you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talk about Hunter specifically to, I don't feel that I deserve this. It's pretty amazing how many people feel they really don't deserve giving themselves the self-care that they need. The problem with that is, Oftentimes, people that neglect self-care, when something really starts to become imbalanced in their life and they're overly stressed, and then they start to experience what I call the symptoms of not tending to what needs to be tended to, you don't want to wait till you're in a health crisis Mm. or that you're emotionally so burnt out that you suddenly have the aha moment that like, wow, I have not been good at taking care of myself. And that's a problem that a lot of people have. I've encountered it a lot. Yeah, that that whole mommy martyr uh, idea is so toxic. It really drives me bananas. So when people are starting, uh, you've you've taught mindfulness for a while. You you know you talk about the value of that. When people, you know, what do you say for people to help them start out to start out a practice? You know, I really like to begin with saying that mindfulness can start first thing in the morning when you wake up and you open up your eyes, literally. And that that's something, you know, I think 
there's this sort of mythology around meditation, if you will, that you have to sit down in the lotus position for 45 minutes. You know, as somebody who started transcendental meditation when I was 19, I did sit down for 20 minutes twice a day. And it was a great discipline that helped me become a disciplined meditator. I'm not saying everybody has to do that. You know, some people have a meditation practice and that's great. But there's so many mindful things you can do and integrate in your day that I might really add takes very little time. For example, you wake up in the morning. Most people want to jump out of bed. It's the first thing they want to do. Now, I'm not saying you, you know, maybe for you, you have to get on the freeway and get to work. You got to make sure your kids are off to school and give your husband a hug or your partner before you, walk, you go out of the house. There's a lot of things on our plates and we're busy people. But if you literally can open your eyes, I know you can't do this all the time, but try and do it at least as much as you can. When you open your eyes for the first few seconds upon awakening and you can literally take less than a minute and go, wow, I'm alive one more day mm-hmm. and drop into gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, how long does it take to be in gratitude? Like you don't even want to put a time to it. You know, just having the awareness that you wake up and you take that moment of complete gratitude for connecting to the breath you know, I even say, if you want to just connect to your breath, put your hands on your heart chakra, feel the rising and falling of your breath, and maybe say silently to yourself, I feel grateful that I am alive one more day. You know, mm-hmm. if that's your jump start, if you just start with something like that, you know, then you're going to really start to, you're going to set the tone for your day. And I really encourage people to start, you know, whether it's doing it in bed, whether it's taking a shower and you're not hurried and rushing to clean your body or wash your hair, smell that body wash, smell the shampoo or feel your hands going through your scalp, massaging your scalp as you're washing your hair. You know, there are so many beautiful even the, some of the littlest things that we can do that bring us into present moment awareness. And we're like, ah, oh, okay, I'm here. I'm here in this moment. I'm grateful. I'm gifting my senses with smelling the body wash, smelling the shampoo. You know, I, one of my first articles for Huffington Post was your morning cup of tea or coffee can be your meditation. Do you know? So I said, sit with that cup of tea or coffee and feel the warmth of it in your hands. Feel the warmth of it and how it feels when it touches your lips. Feel the warmth of it when it first is in your mouth, when you take that first taste of it and it goes down your throat. You know, mindfulness and eating is huge. You know, we, we eat, most of us eat three meals a day. You know, there's again, so many things that you can do to embark on this mindfulness practice. And I don't like to dumb it down, but I, what I want to say is that some of the simplest mindfulness tips that you can integrate are some of the deepest, mm-hmm. do you know? So I really oh, yeah. encourage people to start today. I say mindfulness can start today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, oh, when you turn this podcast off, put your feet on the ground, take your headphones out and feel your feet on the ground. You know, that's a mindfulness practice right there. Um, but the, you're right. And these things are not like, they're simple, but not necessarily easy. Like for me, I can sit down and do 30 minutes of meditation in the morning, but I find it really hard to like have a cup of coffee without reading the paper, right? Because that's just like a strong habit of mine, you know? So you and, you and, you and millions of other people, by the way, you know, we tend to multitask. And one thing I just want to add to that, Hunter, is in Live True, my book, my newest book, is I have something called Life Gazing. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I like the that, Life Gazing. Tell, that tell takes- us about it. That just takes literally, and by the way, if we want to stay on the, on the, the mothering note, your baby, you could literally be breastfeeding your baby and looking out the window and watching the clouds moving across the sky mm-hmm. or see the hummingbirds outside your window. Or maybe if it's raining, noticing the rain as it starts to pitter-patter on the window. Do you know, with work, as you just said, we need to put our devices down We need to, if it means going outside and feeling the grass under your feet. So these are life-gazing moments, and and those are other moments that take sometimes less than a minute to do. So Mm -hmm. I encourage people to, like, pause, stop in their day, 
um, and, you know, do something like life gaze. Just, it, it's so simple. It's so easy to do. And you can replenish. That's part of going back to how you can replenish, how you can fill the well back up. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, the value of, you know, we talk about these simple moments and the value of these is huge. You know, when you stop multitasking and are, are present and practice being present, it just, it's like a muscle that you build and then you can be present for the times when you do actually want to be present, right? Like, and you're not, you know, if we're always like racing to get to the next thing, then we get to our, finally get to our Caribbean vacation or whatever we've been wanting to get to forever and ever and ever. And then your brain is just trained to go to the future and, and not be satisfied where you are. It's about you know, being able to live your life with presence and, and it benefits everyone. It benefits your kids enormously. Absolutely. And it's also what I love to talk about is make this moment enough. Let this mm-hmm. moment be enough for you. You know, find your enoughness. I do an enough meditation where I guide people into, you know, really connecting to the moment that they're in right now and really feeling that moment and acknowledging that it's enough. You know, we're always, as you just said, you know, it's like we're racing to get to the vacation and we're hurrying to get over here and we can't wait to do this. There's nothing wrong with having excitement and anticipation for what's going to come. But, you know, we have to be very mindful of how we're escaping the moment. You know, we're, we're always thinking that the next moment is going to be better. or We're thinking of ways to top this moment. You know, which which really can become very compulsive, if you mm-hmm. will. We want to be very mindful of how we are not really okay or allowing this moment to be enough. We don't have to keep piling more on top of it. Yes. Amen. And you don't have to feel a certain way. No sparkles are required to come out of your ears during this moment. Um, I love what you talk about. I'd love to like kind of turn the direction of thoughts because as we start to sit with ourselves and all our fidgety energy and we start to notice, right? We notice, oh, I, and for me anyway, I had a good stretch of like eight years where I was like, I would sit with meditation. I'd be like, oh, planning. Oh, planning. <laughs> oh, planning. You know, like constantly planning. And, you know, this, this awareness of thoughts. And you also, you also talk about, and I think you talk about it in the, the says who method, the, the idea of being selective of our thoughts. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about this because um, sometimes I have a problem with the idea of like this, um, uh, you know, because thoughts just come unbidden, right, into our brains. Yeah, like we have the good, yeah. the bad, the ugly, the selfish, all this stuff just arrives in our brains and people feel personally like, responsible for like, oh, I'm a terrible person because I had this thought, right? (laughs) So um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about like the nature of these thoughts that arise and and then this this method of being selective of your thoughts. Yeah. You know, we think approximately between 40 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Now we're not cognizant of all those thoughts, but what that tells us is that our mind is extremely busy, um, that it's extremely, extremely busy. Uh, sorry about that. Um, thought I turned off, thought I turned off all my devices anyway, that we're, we're thinking. So we know that that's part of the, the mind's activity and that it's, you know, there's something in, 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 there's a Buddhist term called the monkey mind. And you think of a monkey that's jumping from branch to branch to branch, you know, well, the mind can be like that. It's over here and it's over there thinking about this. So what am I going to have for dinner? What about tomorrow? Do you know, Oh, I can't believe that happened three weeks ago. So, you know, the mind, there's a research that was out of Harvard that the mind wanders almost 50% of the time. So, you know, it lets us know that our mind does wander. I don't think it's about this, you know, I think a lot of people in meditation feel like, I got to stop my thoughts. They just will not stop, you know. It's a lot easier to give ourselves the permission to observe our thoughts rather than to try and stop them. You know, it's like trying to put a plug in our mind somehow, do you know. Having an awareness of our thoughts gives us the ability to what I say, pick and choose the thoughts that are useful for us and the thoughts that don't serve our well-being. You know, we are all going to have, as you said, thoughts that are going to pop up in our mind and like you said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I mentioned that in Says Who, I say, own your thoughts, all of them, not just the pretty ones. 
Do you know, be aware of the thoughts that we have. By having an awareness, it's like, you know, kind of like this witness consciousness, if you will. So that if, if or when a thought pops up, those automatic thoughts that invariably will pop up in your mind, you're like, well, where did that just come from? Have an awareness of like, oh, wow, okay, that thought was really judgmental you know, or, ooh, that thought was really critical, whether it's of yourself or someone else. Oh, that thought, wow, I'm feeling a lot of fear right now. I've got a lot of, you know, fearful thoughts right now. What's going on? What am I so afraid of? You know, dig a little bit deeper and find out that those fear-based thoughts might be because you're maybe afraid about something that you're going to do tomorrow. Well, to bring your awareness to the understanding that you're afraid of something that might or could happen in the future, how can you bring your focus and awareness to the moment right now and say, you know, I understand that I'm feeling fearful and I've got a lot of frightened thoughts right now. What are the thoughts that I can really pick to occupy my mind, if you will, that are going to support me right now, in this moment of now. I even describe it as like curating your thoughts, which is a kind of more fancy way of like, wow, I get to actually pick and choose the thoughts that I want to have and the thoughts that I want to let go of. And I use the analogy of like a uh, when you go to a museum and you're going to, let's say, go see uh, a retrospective or an exhibit of a great artist what we see is usually the best of that artist's art. Do you know? Mm -hmm. That's really what's put together is really the best of the artist's work, if you will. And for many people who feel so separate from their mind, it's like, my mind is thinking me. I'm not thinking my thoughts. I say, no, actually, it's really not like that. We can pick and choose our thoughts. And if a thought comes up that's, that's, unpleasant, or as I like to say, one of the questions of the says who method, do I like this thought? Hmm. You know, that's one of my says who questions. It's the easiest question in the world. Do I like this thought to be able to say, you know, I actually really don't. How can I replace it with a thought that's more likable? Do you know, Hmm. we can change a negative or an unpleasant thought and switch it out for its positive counterpart because it's going to feel different in the body. We all know what unpleasant or negative thoughts feel like. They don't feel so good. Well, so I know a lot of people struggle with this idea of this kind of positive thoughts versus sort of like reality and truth, right? Where many people feel like this this critical thought, well, what if it's the truth, right? What what benefit is there for me to be like choosing a positive thought if this like more judgmental critical thought is true and feels really true to them? Well, I, let me just be able to discern between having judgmental or discerning thoughts, if you will, to how it's making you react. Mm. We're going to have a plethora of thoughts that's part of just being human. And depending on what we're putting our focus and attention on, It's okay to have a judgmental thought about something that helps us really understand the difference between something that feels right to us or something that feels wrong. But when it starts to turn against you in some way, or it starts to turn you against someone else, then that's when I feel that that thought is taking over. And we're doing something called reacting to that thought. Mm -hmm. So For me, what I find really helpful is to be able to discern. It's not saying you're never going to think a a negative thought again. It's when that negative thought starts to create a reaction in you that becomes more negative. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, is that, is it helpful? Maybe then is a better question than is it true? Would you say? Well, yes. Or if it, if I'm thinking that it's true, mm-hmm. you know, how how is it helping me? Is it helping me understand this situation better? Mm-hmm. You know, with everything that's going on right now, you know, we're dealing in an unprecedented time and there's so much going on. We're being bombarded. There's so much information that we're taking in. Some people are watching the news all day. There's a lot of alarming things that are being you know, presented to us. So many people find themselves really, you know, confused or very, you know, upset or worried or angry. It's okay to really work that out in your mind. But what I like to say is it helps me personally 
when I'm starting to feel the stirrings of an emotion, why is it evoking that in me? And how can I help myself learn more about the thing that I might be judging or learn more about the thing that's maybe making me feel anxious or making me feel a type of anger that can help me understand better about something that I might not know about. Do you know what I mean? It, it's mm -hmm. helpful for us to not stay stuck with what we're thinking or feeling if it's in a downward spiral. It's okay. not helping us in any way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I found myself actually a couple days ago um, on my run, like in sort of a, uh, a spiral of thoughts. And for me, my practice in that moment is like, uh, is a, a Zen kind of saying, which is, I am here, <laughs> you know, I am here. <clears throat> and then I would just look around, you know, where am I? Oh, I am here. Like, look at this tree. Here's this, here's this bridge. Here's what's coming out. You know, like this, this, what I'm obsessed with is just stories that are in my head. They're not reality. How can I come back to the reality of here and now and, and, and try to sort of undercut that spiral? That's really a helpful, you know, a tool to use for sure. And I think that, for example, like when you're being so inundated and bombarded with information, I think it's really great to root and to ground oneself in the present moment. And a great way to do that is to say, feel the grass under my feet, look at the sun setting, you know, um, hug a tree literally, or go sit under a tree, or what can I do, or, or feel the sand uh, on the beach under your feet. You know, what the things that get us worked up are usually things that we're reacting to. And so I find telling myself, you know, one of these, the ideas of replacing a thought, a negative thought, to it with its positive counterpart. For me, sometimes it's me saying to myself, I just don't have all the information right at this moment. And I'm going to accept that. You know, mindfulness is being in the present moment with total awareness, acceptance, and non-judgment of what is in the moment right now. So what can be very helpful, you know, whether you're using something like nature to ground you or bringing your focus and awareness into what is happening in this present moment right now, Sometimes there's things to tell ourselves when we're feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. You know, um, I'm going to ground myself by doing something like, again, doing something physical or telling myself something like, you know, I, I don't have all the information I need right now or I need a little bit more time or I need to heighten my awareness a little bit more in this area that I might be feeling reactive to. So this again, Hunter goes into all the different ways in which we can help ourselves bring ourselves into the present moment with more equanimity, do you know? Mm -hmm. And give ourselves the permission to not have to respond or react to anything in that moment, in the very moment that we find ourselves in and that it's okay. Yeah, so you're saying like, these thoughts arise and they feel so urgent. They feel so important. Like we have to struggle with them like right in this moment. And what you're saying is like, we can give ourselves permission to just not struggle. Like we may not have all the information. I love what you're saying about like, I just don't have all the information for me. Uh, there's another Zen saying that comes to, for, that helps me. I say to myself, clear mind, clear mind their mind don't know, <laughs> you know, like don't yeah. know because there's so much I don't know. And, and our minds just really do want to figure things out. They do want to kind of tell the story and figure it all out right now. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Very much so like problem solving. Our minds are very geared towards, you know, very solution oriented, very much problem solving, which is sometimes why we need to create more problems <laughs> to solve, <laughs> to think we have to solve them. So, you know, these Zen sayings that you're mentioning, which I, which I have many that I love myself, whatever that inner mantra or that inner piece of wisdom, that pearl that you can tell yourself in the moment, you know, I am in this moment of now. Now is all there is. This moment is enough. I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I need more information. I accept the moment that I'm in right now you know, with peace and self-love. I mean, there's so many things that we can tell ourselves that really brings us back to the moment. And that's what I think is most helpful for people because of the tendency for the mind to wander. 
because of the fact that we're being bombarded daily with so much stimuli, we really need to give ourselves the permission and the way in which we can sort of regroup with ourselves or recenter ourselves is to take that pause, to take that breath, to do the things that we can that help ground us, that help bring us back to center, to bring us back to, you know, you know, present moment awareness again. So many things that we can do that can really help us. Well, I, I really appreciate your book, Live True, because it has so many of these little sayings um, that are really helpful about coming back to the present moment. So if you, dear listener, are looking for, well, Hunter's got her Zen sayings and, and Aura's got her sayings. If you want some sayings, there's some wonderful, wonderful pieces in um, Live True. I feel like I could kind of pick your brain forever <laughs> about all of these things. And I, I really kind of enjoy this, this uh, conversation, but I, I do have to, I definitely want to respect your time. Uh, I, I would say, please go check out the book, dear, dear listener. And, and or do you have any, any final things you want to share with the listener before we, before we wrap it up? And, you know, I really want to share with the listener that each and every one of us has the inherent quality of mindfulness. You know, we have the ability, it's just, it's just there waiting to blossom. It's like the lotus flower that just wants to open up, do you know? And we do need to keep in mind that the, that the lotus flower comes out of muddy waters. So, you know, you can start today and don't put any expectations on yourself of what you think starting today means. What I mean by that is be present with yourself and what I like to encourage people to do is to find some time in your day just to sit quietly, whether you're a meditator and you have a practice or you don't. Throughout my day, I find myself just taking these pauses, these breaks, where I just sit quietly, whether it's, I said, look out the window or go outside and life gaze, sit down quietly, focus on the breath, maybe tell ourselves those inner words of wisdom. Start with anything that resonates for you. It doesn't have to look like anything, you know, special or different or unique. It's what you bring to the moment because you're special and unique. So bring your own mindful awareness of self to whatever moment you're in and you will discover something about yourself and connect to something in yourself that is so uniquely you and I just welcome you to this journey of finding yourself more present in the moments of your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as we, we create this peace in ourselves, we create it for everybody. We're all interconnected and inter our aura. Thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I really appreciate what you're what you're doing, and I love your Live True book. And where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? And thank you, Hunter, so much for having me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. The best place to find me is my website, auranadrich.com. It really pretty much has everything I'm doing on it, and it's it's just got a lot of a lot of stuff there that I think you know people can just check it out, see what they, what they discover on it. Awesome. Thank you again so much. Thank you. I just love Aura's calm presence from the other side of this parenting roller coaster, just assuring us that this can be done. This work can be done at the same time. It's beneficial for our kids and that I don't have time for that is an excuse. I love it. So thank you so much for listening. Um, And I want to thank you, you know, everyone who reaches out to me. I really, really appreciate that. The reviews I get on Apple Podcasts and other places, thank you. Thank you so much for those. Those really matter a lot. It's a great way to support the podcast. So I want to give a shout out to Megan TW, who left a five-star review saying that she downloaded episodes after purchasing and starting Raising Good Humans and has truly helped me learn and practice. Yay! You're welcome, Megan. Thank you for your that five-star review. And thank you so much to Hyoba and another five-star review saying that she loves the podcast and loves every single expert I've had. Each of them 
bring such richness. So cool. Thank you so much, Hayuba. I would love to give you a shout out, leave a review. And um, like I said in the intro, if you are interested in taking a relationship, pass the microphone and the earbuds, whatever you are listening to this on. I would love to do that. I offer just a very small group coaching program, just six people. I keep it super small on purpose. And if you are interested in really diving into getting the accountability from me and the support you need to really do this work um, from October 28th through March 3rd, go check it out at mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. And I'm wishing you a great week. I hope that you surf the waves of this crazy fall of 2020 or when of the waves of whenever you are listening in the future hello to the future and i you know do do those practices our brains left to themselves are a little cray cray sometimes so we got to practice to ground them and steady them and steady our hearts and minds and we can do that we can do that work it's doable and i'll be doing it with you i i really really appreciate your presence thank you so much thank you for listening a great week. Namaste. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.